0: Welcome to the 89th episode of the No Podcast. Today's guest is Andy Hoffman. Andy wanted to move to Nashville to make it as a drummer, but Andy's bandmates weren't as serious as he was. Unsure of what to do, he joined the Coast Guard. After he finished his service, he did any job he could find. He even worked as a waiter for some time. He went to college, but quickly realized it just wasn't for him. He failed college algebra one three times. Listen to how one book changed his life and how he got his first break in sales when his financial advisor helped him find a job. Visit nodegree.com to start your journey. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. Every sub is appreciated. This show wouldn't be possible without you. Let's get this show started. Welcome to another episode of the No Degree Podcast. Today I have on Andy Hoffman. Andy, do you mind giving a brief introduction of yourself?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh Janine, thanks so much for having me on the show. Um, I am Andy Hoffman. I am the chief experience officer of a company called Know My Plan, where we are a very small two-person other than me, a boutique financial planning firm where our kind of focus is on providing clients with what we would call a one-page plan, which is just a very, you know, high-level snapshot of your kind of current financial situation, and where you're moving forward with some action steps to kind of help you get from A to B. So that's a little bit about what we do. Um, I, as you know, do not have a college degree and I have kind of taken a pretty long and winding path to get where I am today. You want me to just kind of dive in and give a big overview? Is that okay? Yeah, that's cool. So, that's great. Cool. Okay. So uh, it started for me. Um, I was playing drums, you know, ever since I was 13 years old, bought a drum set, playing drums that I was going to move to Nashville and make it big as a drummer. And some guys I was playing with didn't really feel as committed as I was. So I, at 21 years old, needed to get a job. And my brother said, uh, my brother-in-law said, why don't you join the Coast Guard? And I said, what's the Coast Guard? So I literally went on the recruiting website and saw these guys jumping out of helicopters, like Ashton Kutcher style and thought, you know, I want to be a lifesaver. So fast forward, uh, I ended up not jumping out of helicopters and was like, you know, painting everything it felt like uh, at a small boat station in Ocean City, Maryland, and then ended up getting a small bonus to go to electronics school over in Petaluma, California. So this bonus just slipped through my fingers. You know, I I didn't know what I was doing. 21 years old, first time away from home. So I did what anybody would do. And I went to Barnes & Noble to buy a book about money management. And I stumbled on a book called (laughs) Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Maybe you've heard of the title. But that was a big moment for me. That was a big eye-opener that there's this whole world of kind of financial planning and personal finance. And, you know, found Dave Ramsey and found all these other kind of financial gurus and just started to kind of pave my own way. And so I got out of the Coast Guard. My wife and I were dating long distance for two and a half years while I lived in New Orleans at the time. And very tough uh, a lot of phone calls uh it's funny we didn't do much of this kind of video stuff back in the day unfortunately it
0: didn't exist in the same form it was t- it was much tougher you had to be so much more tech savvy and all that
1: a lot grainier yes <laughs> a lot lot slower so i moved back to charlotte where i'm from and started just getting any job i could find i was waiting tables um i was flirting with going back to school um fun fact hopefully this will inspire someone that's terrible at math like me but i failed Uh, college algebra one, three times. So hopefully that inspires somebody that you can still come out ahead on the other side. But I realized college wasn't for me. You know, I ended up, like I said, waiting tables, finding these odd jobs. I became a client of a guy who was a financial advisor and he ended up helping me get a job in sales. So I ended up just kind of pounding the pavement, knocking on doors, doing a lot of cold calling, selling like an office coffee service. So, you know, if your office has a Keurig, We would supply the coffee, maintain the machines, and all that. And I eventually begged my buddy to let me in front of his manager, you know, this financial advisor guy. And I got in front of her to do my sales pitch. And she said, "Have you ever thought about a job in financial services?" And it was this huge light bulb moment for me because here I am thinking that, well, does she know that I don't have a college degree? You know, is she going to shut me down right away? Come to find out, that was a great opportunity for someone without a degree. You know, she gave me a chance. And I was, you know, little did I know, it was maybe not like the best financial firm on the planet, but it was an opportunity, right? So I jumped in without too much thought, working my tail like 70 hours a week, just grinding it out to see if I can make it as a financial advisor. Um, At the time, my wife and I got pregnant with our first child. And this is a straight commission job, no salary, no safety net. And it was really tough. I ended up thinking that switching firms was going to be kind of the salvation that I needed to kind of make it over the hump. Because if you're unaware, it takes oftentimes three to five years for someone going from scratch to building a book of business that can really sustain themselves and provide a decent income. So, you know, I'm a year and a half in, I'm trying not to just like completely give up. So I moved firms thinking that that was going to solve everything. And it really just started the process over again. The kids kept coming. We have two kids now. And um, I realized I need a salary. So, you know, you could call me a failure. You could call me a failure at financial advising. I think that'd be a uh, perfectly okay thing to do. Uh, But I ended up getting a salary gig, working this kind of um, inbound, outbound call center job for a big life insurance company with this prospect of, you know, getting out into the field, which is where kind of the big money was to be made, more autonomy, driving around, covering a territory of multiple states. That seemed to be at the time, you know, what I thought I wanted. Uh, The company that I was working with ended up splitting in half, um, creating a new company. And a lot of that opportunity that was promised ended up drying up. So thanks to LinkedIn, um, I ended up being reached out to by a recruiter from a a very big financial firm um, that was looking to hire more recruiters. So to me, I thought at the time I was selling this kind of financial product that was pretty niche specific. And thinking that if I could kind of zoom out a little bit and provide more value to more people, you know, in my thought, at least, if I can help, help the financial advisor instead of helping the client, then I can help theoretically all their clients as well, if that makes any sense. Instead yeah, of just makes selling, a lot of sense. Yeah, one client, one product. Um, there's that Zig Ziglar quote, right? Like, I'm going to totally butcher it. But basically, the concept is, <laughs> if you know, you'll kind of get yours when you help enough people get theirs, right? So that had been uh, pretty foundational for me. And, you know, lo and behold, I ended up doing the recruiting thing, um, having a successful couple of years thinking that now my chance is to kind of get off the desk, the internal sales environment, get out into the field, get that big promotion I've been working hard for, you know, for this last several years. And then I get laid off. Um, And that kind of caught me by surprise at the time they were um, kind of pairing up people like me that were working in, in the desk, pairing us up with. Two people that were out in the field instead of just one, and I didn't, you know, see the writing on the wall. Myself and another colleague were the only two left without a pair, and we ended up getting kind of cut loose. So from there, I ended up working for another uh, firm, kind of within that same ecosystem, doing recruiting for a few years, uh, feeling like I'm kind of beginning to get my stride, and then COVID hit, and at the time, I had two separate teams on different planes coming in to see us for w- what we would call a home office visit or you might call a dog and pony show. They kind of roll out the red carpet, have a steak dinner, have some laughs and see if they want to make the switch to kind of join our firm. So when that happened, you know, lockdown was 3 days later and so my pipeline just withered on the vine. From there I didn't know if recruiting was going to be where I where I was going to be for the long term. I had no idea what was going to happen if, you know, the pipeline was going to snap back into place in 90 days or if it was going to be, you know, kind of a final blow. So Uh, The CEO of the firm I worked at, a smaller company at this time, um, reached out to me to see if I would interview for a consulting role there to help kind of just consult the 200 advisors that they have and really help them tighten up their books of business, um, tighten up kind of their either their sales story, you know, their practice, find efficiency in their day to day, which I loved. But I was conflicted because at that time um, I was reached out to by another firm for a recruiting opportunity that seemed too good to be passed up. The money was a little bit more, and I'd be lying if I said that that wasn't what ultimately attracted to me me to that opportunity. So, the day before I ended up saying yes to the consulting role, you know, I got the job offer for the other recruiting role. So I ended up feeling really conflicted. Having lunch with a buddy of mine, this guy Nick Nielsen. If you're on LinkedIn in the financial advisor space, his name might ring a bell. Um, we had had a lot of lunches over the over the course of time to kind of help me get some clarity on, you know, what I wanted to do next. Um, I ended up taking the other recruiting role um, after only being in the consulting gig for a couple months. So on one hand, I took a a job that was more familiar and left a job that I was really enjoying more and having more satisfaction with for a job with more money. Um, And, you know, I think four or five months in, I ended up getting let go out of the blue and, you know, Completely my fault. Uh, come to find out I was not cutting the mustard and that was a pretty big blow to me. And I, you know, didn't know what I was going to do next. And instead of just, you know, blasting out my resume to a million people, I ended up slowing down and taking some time to reflect, to pray, uh, have some more lunches with my buddy Nick to see what would come of it. And I ended up getting hired by him. He and his partner, Jeff, ended up taking me on to be the um, chief experience officer for their firm, which in this scenario, is maybe a little bit um, kind of hard to understand what that means, but for our day to day, that means a lot of content marketing. So, they Nick specifically has done an amazing job using LinkedIn as a platform to really grow their client base, especially with COVID, um, moving a lot of things in our environment to a more digital format uh, with Zoom calls and everything else. So, I ended up coming on to help him flesh out a lot of their content because. He has been creating content on LinkedIn every single day. Um, and over time, they've taken that and thrown it up on their website um, under the blog format. So the challenge is that they're not exactly optimized for search engine optimization. So my role has been to kind of go in, identify some opportunities, fill them out, give it a lot more body, you know, check some boxes and get them up and running for search engine optimization um, all the while doing a weekly show where we, you know, talk about financial planning uh, and all the kind of nerding that goes with that, the challenges, the pitfalls. And so for me, it feels like, you know, I've kind of landed this dream opportunity um, really out of necessity. It kind of caught me by surprise, but um, I'm thankful for the opportunity to kind of come on and tell my story and hopefully inspire somebody that you can, you know, I think it was Robin Williams that said like success is standing atop a pile of failures. And <laughs> I would say that that's certainly uh, becoming true for my own life. You know, it's not been an easy road for for, to kind of get to where I am now, but I can tell you the kind of fulfillment that I get from being able to do the work I'm doing—that's creative, that's meaningful. Where we've got some opportunity to continue to grow and expand has been a dream come true for me. So,
0: Uh, no, thank you for you know the full life story and let's kind of slow it down and you know kind of go into some of like the details and all that. But one thing I I really want to highlight. To the audience is that you mentioned how you you felt like you were a failure for leaving a job that's you know full commission and kind of taking something with salary, and I I really want to tell the audience is like you have to make these moves because at the end of the day I've seen so many people who kind of stick out with things just because I have to and I I can't be a quitter, and then what ends up happening is they should have left it way earlier to pursue something that was more in line with them because at the end of the day it's like you have to try things and some things are not right for you. And then it's like, regardless of how successful you are, people will have bumps along the way. So just realize that it's okay. Figure out, you know, reflect, talk to other people and then figure out what makes most sense for you. Sometimes it makes sense to stick it out, right? And sometimes it does it. Now, let's kind of take it back to high school. What'd you want to be in high school?
1: Man, I was um, in high school. I went to the small private Christian school and all I was doing was like skateboarding and playing drums. You know, that's the only things I cared about. Literally. Um, you know, walk the stage to graduate, I was not 100% sure that there was going to be a diploma in my little, like, pamphlet thing. Um, so that was uh, a scary few minutes walking across the stage. Uh, thankfully, there was, you know, a piece of paper in there, a diploma. But, and you know, in high school, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I grew up in the, um, you know, I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Fight Club. Yeah, yeah, I've seen Fight Club. Classic. That, like, scene where Tyler Durden is talking about, like, you know, I graduate college, I call my old man and say, now what? Get married. Now what? Now what? Now what? Like that resonated to me. I mean, I, my dad didn't go to college. He worked night shift um, at a tire factory, uh, come to, you know, frankly. And um, it was always his goal for me to go to college. And man, I just feel like I was not cut out for that and had no idea what to do. And I was terrified of taking on like, you know, $50,000 or more in student loan debt to go in a direction that I didn't know where it would take me, you know?
0: Yeah. Okay. So cool. So you mentioned you were playing the drums and you were really committed, but you mentioned how your band members weren't. How was that?
1: <laughs> we were, Um. we'd like rented the storage unit to practice in so that we could kind of practice at, you know, odd times or, um you know, have one kind of central place to play. And we would talk about moving to Nashville. And at the time I was just working these, you know, crappy jobs. I was working at a coffee shop for a while. Um, not that that in itself is a crappy job, but I, I had a you know, run in with my manager and I was like, all right, I'm out of here. And so I went to this like warehouse job where we were literally, literally no joke, taking tape, like ducking, duct tape, masking tape. Um, and there were like seconds that didn't make it. They weren't good enough to sell in stores. And we would take them and like do some judo on them to make them like worthwhile to be sold to like, um, I don't know, like some of these secondhand stores. And so literally I'm in this, un you know, no HVAC warehouse, either freezing my tail off in the winter sweating it off in the summertime working with these dudes that were sometimes a little sketch. Um, and I could come and go in as I pleased, which seemed amazing. However, I was not really coming to show up for work a lot. So I was like not making any money, wondering what am I doing with my life? Like I need some discipline for me, at least that's yeah. what I needed. Um, and I was playing in the band and that seemed like it was really going nowhere. So that's when, again, my brother-in-law was like, maybe you should join the Coast Guard. And I began to think, okay, maybe this whole military thing would be a good, you know, kick in the pants for me. Give me some direction. Give me some skills, maybe. And the GI Bill was another huge benefit for me that I could go to school on the government's dime if I wanted to. Like, I always had that in my back pocket. So, man, for a lot of people, I think a lot of young guys, young gals today, that is a great move to consider. Yeah,
0: no, definitely. definitely. What now? How was the military? Because it didn't seem like you had a lot of discipline, and the military finds a way that it <laughs> to give you that discipline. How?
1: What happened after? And how did you sort of learn that? Yeah, man. I mean, so boot camp was the the real uh, furnace that forged who I am. I think boot camp is kind of make or break. So each service is going to be a little different, but there's eight weeks uh, at least for the Coast Guard where you go in. You know, like I get on a plane, me and some other guys, and we show up in. Um, I'm sorry. Cape May, New Jersey, and then you get off a bus and people are screaming at you and telling you to like, stand up straight, you know, position of attention or whatever. And that's like eight weeks of that. And they just slowly, you know, kind of refine you, if you will. Uh, it's not the most comfortable. You're doing a lot of push ups, a lot of sit ups. You're learning a lot, you know, drinking from a fire hose and all that. Uh, but I think that's a lot of what made me the man I am today. I like just the character that that forces you to kind of rise to the occasion. And I feel like for me, that's been a theme in my life. When I want to grow, you know, how I think about how can I raise the stakes on myself? How can I force myself to like level up, if that makes sense? And so when you join the military, there's no backing out. You know, there's no like, hey, thanks. This has been fun and all, but I'm going to go over here now. Like you're committed. You signed a commitment and you're in for the long haul. So not for everybody, but for some of you out there, well worth the effort.
0: Now, let's also kind of take it back. You mentioned you got laid off several times. How was that like? Because I know it's not like so much goes through your mind. You start doubting yourself. Then you start worrying about, hey, I have to start moving. What comes next? What went through your mind and how did you sort of deal with it?
1: Yeah, thanks. Um, so a couple so just a quick clarification. The first time I got actually laid off, like, you know, corporate got cut, whatever. The second time was like getting let go. So I would say fired would be the um non-politically correct way to say that. But uh I'll start with laid off first. Getting laid off sucks. Um, it feels like getting kicked in the stomach. You know, they in a corporate setting, at least from my experience you don't really get told much, you know, you're like wondering, what did I do wrong? And they won't tell you anything. And to keep you from like making a scene, you basically, in my case, at least you sign a piece of paper saying you're not going to talk bad about the company, you're not going to disclose X, Y, Z. So, you know, rather than lose a severance package, you keep your mouth shut, you know, probably 99 out of 100 people would go that route. And so you just kind of you know, get. A, I got a phone call at my desk. I walked back to my manager's office. I could see she was pretty glassy eyed and, you know, HR is on the other line and they're kind of, you know, reading it out to me and explaining what happened. And so it just feels kind of like an out of body experience, you know, that happens. And next thing you know, you're kind of carrying a few things out to your car and they, they're going to mail the rest of it to you later. And you begin to <laughs> reevaluate everything you thought you knew because it feels like some big act of betrayal. At the end of the day, you know, it feels like the carpet's pulled out from under you. Again, that kind of getting kicked in the stomach feeling, but in other ways, it's really liberating. If you um, are fortunate enough to have some severance, that can really go a long way to taking some of that initial pressure off to where you're feeling like, hey, I'm not, you know, hand to mouth right here. I can afford to take this next job search seriously and slow down, pause, talk to people before you just you know, go down to the unemployment office or, you know, go try to find the next job immediately. So blessing and a curse, you know, I think when I got fired, um, that was one of the best things that happened to me. I think that we all are pretty prone to doing something for work and it's probably less than our best. You know, I think we might be uh guilty of putting our ladder up against maybe the wrong wall. And I think the the I don't know the privilege or the the benefit we have of just being in our generation that we're currently alive is, you know, the average job is like two to four years now. You know, it's not like the way that our parents grew up where you maybe go to school, you get a job with a big company, and you stay there for 40 years and hope you don't hate it for 40 years. You know, the blessing and curse is that, you know, you might get let go. But we have this kind of, you know, ingrained understanding that company loyalty is probably a thing of the past for most of us. And so I think there's a lot of freedom in that. Um, That's definitely shaped my story. And, you know, once you make a job change or two, you begin to feel a little more confident that, you know, you're going to land on your feet. You know, you don't want to just suck it up and waste away at a company that doesn't treat you well. You know, I think there's a saying like, you know, go where you're treated best. Now I've tried to slowly and, you know, it doesn't happen overnight, but I've tried to apply that to kind of my own journey and, just, you know, take my lumps as they come and just try to stay positive and keep working hard. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a very true thing. And, you know,
0: it's interesting. So I think the average job search, whatever person is like two to three years. And then actually in the 80s, it was actually only like half a year longer. So people did switch jobs. It's just you know what the difference is, is that it was more common for people to stay. Like there were more, it was more common for people to stay that 20, 40 years. But remember, people still left, people moved, they got married. There are so many other things. People got let go, company got bought out. And now compared to before is companies get bought out more frequently. Mergers and acquisitions happen. Companies don't last as long, right? Like think about the companies 10, 15 years ago versus now, a lot of these companies are new, right? They've grown. So it's a different time. So I want a lot of people to realize that, you know, people say kids these
1: days, they don't stay at the job. And it's like, it's a totally different environment. And we talk about this in our industry a lot, that the the rise of the 401k is another huge disruptor because, um, you know, people used to have pensions, you know, mom and dad might work a big company and have a pension to fall back on and at least supplement their income, you know, might take care, not take care of everything, but nowadays, you know, the 401k is the dominant force in the background. And so the positive is that you can take that with you to your next firm, but the onus is on you. And so, you know, that's that's one of the reasons the money is like, hey, you got to learn to invest. You know, you got to learn this job stuff, but you have to learn to invest just like you got to wake up and brush your teeth every day. You know, you don't have to love it, but you got to do it. It's mandatory. No,
0: You you got to do it. And it's it's another thing. I think people are also realizing that sometimes the thing you liked in your 20s is not what you like, right? Sometimes you may realize like, hey, sales, I'm good at it, but you know what? I like something else. And the thing is, you shouldn't be stuck in a job for 40 years just because you chose it in your 20s. And I think you see so many people start realizing that, hey, I'm more productive if I'm at a job that's more true to my values and more true to the skills I have, right? And you know, sometimes what happens is you grow along a company and the growth opportunities are not there, that you've maxed out the position and you have to go elsewhere. So it's one of those things like, look, maybe stay if that's a,
1: that makes sense for you. But things are changing and you have to be smart about what you do. Yes. And to anyone like younger listening, I mean, i worked at companies where they specialize in hiring people like right out of college. And it just seems almost like a ploy that like they give these people young and they don't know any better. They don't know like what a toxic work environment looks like compared to anything else. And then they just stay put for eight years. And you're like, what are you doing? Like you could be making twice as much money, but you're scared to look around or you're scared to make the leap. And so that's my that's a big takeaway I would have for anybody. A big piece of advice is like this whole like staying at a job for two years is complete garbage. You know, if you're getting treated poorly, look around. There are opportunities out there, especially right now. No, definitely. And it, it, it just doesn't make sense. Like, when
0: you're at an environment where you're not treated well, you're not going to perform your best. And because you don't perform your best, they're going to look bad on you. It's just like a a negative feedback cycle where it, nothing ever works out. And it just holds you back. And it's literally time wasted. And then, you know, that's a very true thing where a lot of times as a kid, you, you know, you think adults have it figured out right? You think like, you know, you, you always think adults haven't figured out and they know everything and then so at a job, everything's perfect. But you realize that a lot of managers, they're figuring it out too, right? They don't know necessarily how to manage the best. So they they may manage you a certain way that doesn't work for you. And then you're trying to learn. So just realize that companies are always figuring things out. Managers are figuring things out. And once you start realizing that, realize that companies are not efficient. There's always things they need to fix. Don't think of it as like the TVs where it's like, hey, you Everybody comes in at nine. They take their lunch. Everybody's happy. There are no disagreements and things move. It's like companies are living, breathing organisms that sort of go through change all the time. So good. Full of people that are not perfect. Yeah. And people aren't perfect. And then once people realize that, it'll give you a, a real dose of reality. So now, looking back, how did you sort of learn sales and how did you get better at it? Because again. A lot of time, they choose the young kids. They get these jobs and sales is, they have them do work. That's not easy,
1: right? A lot of cold calling, a lot of rejection. So how does one get better at sales? I think with anything, really getting better at anything is doing. You know, I'm I'm a huge advocate for reading, for, you know, bettering yourself, for educating yourself. I'm a huge just self-education proponent, to be honest with, you know, by like step one of me learning to play drums, I bought a drum set and I started hitting it. And you just, over time, you get better. And the same is true with sales or any other business skill, in my opinion. You just have to put in the time and the effort. And so oftentimes that's jumping in the deep end. You know, it might be saying, step one, I'm going to get a job in sales. You know, if you can't look someone in the eye, you know, if you can't have a conversation with someone that you don't know without being completely freaked out of your skin, you know, hey, maybe sales isn't the role for you. But if you're a personable person, If you've got integrity, if you're honest with other people, then, hey, sales can be a great opportunity for you to build a career. Um, There's so many different ways to get into sales, but find that job. I mean, I remember technically my first ever sales job was like selling Cutco knives. I don't know if you're familiar with those. (laughs) Yeah, It's always tough. They always get the young kids and you think you're going to make lots of money. It's tough. Yeah, they they post these ads. I think on like college campuses, like at the time, it's like $14 an hour. And you're like, whoa, how am I going to make that money? And so you go and sit in a presentation. And so you just learn to get rejected and getting rejected kind of sucks, but you grow a thick skin over time and you just learn that if you can ask good, in my opinion, if you can just ask good questions, if you are genuinely, genuinely interested in other people and aren't there just to like force anybody to buy something, then you can do really well. You know, and, and it evolves over time. You know, you're not you, your first job in sales. You know, you're probably not going to be like selling yachts or some huge high ticket item with massive commission. But you got to cut your teeth somehow. So, you know, the first job you get isn't the last job you're going to get. And you got to start somewhere.
0: Yeah. And every job is a building stone in a, to the next one. And here's the other thing. You may realize like, hey, you know what? Sales is not for me you can use that experience and apply it. Maybe you can work with salespeople. Maybe you can support salespeople because you had that experience. You know what they go through. And again, sometimes
1: knowing what you're not good at is a very good lesson to learn. I mean, I'm 37 years old and I am just now realizing that I don't think I'm supposed to be in sales full time. You know, like I'm doing this kind of content creation version and we're kind of trying to attract clients to us. And like, I'm not afraid to pick up the phone. You know, like I've work jobs where I've made a hundred cold calls in, you know, a day. And like, that's the goal. But I realized, you know what? I don't necessarily want to do this for the rest of my life. And that doesn't, you know, bring me joy or fulfillment. And that's okay. But you know what? It's a great freaking skill to have. It's a great way to learn about yourself.
0: Yeah. Because you're always selling in some capacity, right? Whether it's to people, whether it's to, you know, your clients, you have to know how to sell. You have to know. And there's a lot of it's about communication right? It's understanding, hey, what are they looking for? What do I have? What can I offer? And it's sometimes you have to actually push them away. You have to be like, hey, you know what? I don't think we're a good fit. And people will actually respect you for that. I've had people, you know, who come to me and I'm like, look, you know what? Your resume is in good shape. Here's what you need to do. You don't need the full thing from me. This is what you need. And people will be like, you know, thank you for being honest. And it just, again, your reputation stays with you forever.
1: Reputation. And just sometimes people need validation. They need to be validated that, you know, they're not like way off here in left field. You know, maybe it's something else they need to work on. Maybe it's the interview process or fear of rejection.
0: So now looking back, what were some of the mistakes that you've made that you kind of look back and like, hey, you know what? I Here's something I would want people to kind of avoid. Like, there's some mistakes you're supposed to make. But now looking back, like, what would you tell someone like, hey, you know what? Here's, I should have
1: identified this earlier. I think work ethic sometimes can be a hangup. Uh, for myself. Um, sounds weird to say it like that, but like I'm such an efficiency nerd that like I love reading books like the four-hour work week. I don't know if you've ever read that.
0: Yeah, that's a I haven't read it, but I know about it. You gotta delegate, you gotta be smart.
1: Yes. Yes. And so, um, and that title can sound super clickbait for anybody that's unfamiliar with it, but would definitely recommend it if you're interested in business. But things like that where I like try to hone in on efficiency and sometimes there are roles. Like in sales, where you just need to freaking grind it out and you need to put in the time. And so I've just haven't always been honest with myself that, like, you know what? Sometimes I kind of hate that. Like, if it's a job that is just really hard, like, again, maybe I shouldn't have been in sales for whatever period of time or as long as I've been in time. And sometimes I just needed to be real with myself that, you know what? Maybe I needed to find a role where I wasn't just grinding 24 seven and that I could allow myself, you know, a more creative endeavor. So I, For whatever reason, the irony is like, I've been playing drums for 25 years and I still struggle to identify as like a creative person, if you will. And so I I love this like business side of my personality and I can zero in on it and being in financial services, there's not a ton of like, you know, creativity isn't celebrated in the way that hustle is. And so I would just, you know, advise people to just uh, be honest with themselves, you know, just to constantly ask yourself what you want what you think is going to get you to where you want to be and you know there's nothing wrong with sucking it up and grinding it out and working 70 hours a week for a few years if that's going to help you get to where you want to be
0: yeah no very true and how did you sort of discover that you wanted to do more of this creative stuff right like what were you creating because it's something that a lot of people don't realize like i used to have a very analytical job. And now it's like, I do do a lot of content marketing for myself and I enjoy it, right? It's something that I necessarily would not have thought of when I was younger, but it's one of those things that you do. So how'd you
1: sort of fall into it? Well, truth be told, um, you know, after reading some of these books on like personal finance and financial planning, like I resonated so much with the messaging and feel burdened for our country, for our everyone that doesn't know how to invest, doesn't know how to kind of lift themselves out of their own situation. You know, I think we are so inundated with marketing um, in a way that can be negative, in a way that we feel like we've got to keep up with the Joneses, right? You know, we've got to have a flashy car. We've got to have a flashy apartment. I'm a big believer that all that's garbage. I'm I'm of
0: that too. I drive a 1999 Corolla. Unfortunately, someone hit the side of it, so I got to fix it. But you got to yeah, be smart with your money. Um, Because I've seen and a lot of people look just because someone gets a degree and stuff, they're not immune to these things. I've seen so many people, they got to get the nice car. They got to get this and they got to get that. And again, it's not going to make you happy. It's not like it's one thing if you're a car person, right, that you truly love car. But most people are not car people. They're not going under the engine. They're not going, you know, they're not looking at the sound and the 0-60 and all that stuff. It just doesn't make sense.
1: Completely agree. And like, I've got an 06 Camry, by the way, so big, <laughs> um, trying to practice what I preach here. But, you know, I, for years, I thought about like, man, maybe one day, like wrestling with imposter syndrome, maybe one day I could be like a Dave Ramsey for millennials or something like that. And it just felt like this hype dream that like, I couldn't allow myself to kind of agree upon, you know, to even allow myself to think that I could do that, such a limiting belief. And then this opportunity fell in my lap. And I started, I mean, frankly, like in 2021, 20, I guess, maybe I started really taking LinkedIn seriously and posting every day and just putting it out there and putting myself out there. It wasn't always business, it was sometimes personal and just whatever hit me that day. And so that helped me form this relationship with my now partner um, to where it felt like, okay, I dip my toe in the waters of content creation and felt like this isn't, not that it's not hard, because it is hard. You know, coming up with something new every day is takes skill. But over time, you get better at it, like running or exercise or whatever new skill. And so, it just it, it just happened for me. I mean, I'm a big faith person, and I feel like the Lord just orchestrated some of these events in my life to where, frankly, like I couldn't have built this better myself. Like I couldn't have started a blog from scratch on my own the way that I'm able to work with a company that's successful on their own before I showed up. Uh, and I'm able to try to help them get to the next level by doing something that I'm very passionate about, um, you know, regarding financial literacy and regarding, you know, just the content creation, you know, or starting a YouTube channel and all these other things. And so, yeah, I mean, it feels just like a dream come true. So,
0: Yeah, that's cool. And you know what? My journey is sort of the same that I started LinkedIn 2019. And here's something that I want to tell a lot of people comments are a form of content. What a lot of people don't realize is sometimes it's harder to start with a post. What do I post about? Just honestly give your thoughts and comment on someone else's post. And that goes a long way, especially on platforms like LinkedIn, right? And Twitter is also, I'm active on, I start being active on Twitter, but yeah, just comments, right? People will start going that way. And you experiment, you try things. Some posts do well, some posts don't do well. But at the end of the day, there's another post and you just get better over time. It's such an underrated platform.
1: And, you know, that's how we met, right? Somehow you found me on LinkedIn. Posted. You, you had some random posts. I can't even remember what it was, but I was like loving it. And, um, you know, clearly I'm pretty passionate about not having a degree or at least that you can continue to be successful. And I just sent you a DM. I didn't even comment on your post, I don't think. But I sent you a DM. It was just like, this is amazing. Thank you for kind of spreading the message out here. because. People need to hear, I man. You don't have to get six figures in debt to get a you know, $50,000 entry-level job.
0: Yeah, it just doesn't make sense. And it, and things are changing, and sometimes industries are also changing. So now looking back, what would you say is your biggest accomplishment? And you can have personal and professional. Personal and professional.
1: professional. Um, yeah, personal, I would say, is just being in the Coast Guard. I mean, uh, as silly as that sounds, because you know, the military in general is like typically always looking for people. So it's not like I made it through this gauntlet, you know, as a specimen of some sort, but like just sticking it out, you know, it was a time in my life when I, again, didn't know, didn't have direction, but there were plenty of days when I was like, man, this sucks, you know, being the low guy on the totem pole or doing a job that I don't have control over. Um, and that shaped who I am and shaped, you know, my, my understanding of like, okay, I want to have more control over my day-to-day life. Therefore I need to do something other than the military. So that one is probably the most, the biggest one personally. Um, I think professionally really just, I know it's, it's not even an accomplishment. This is going to sound so cheesy, but just like the willingness to take a risk. I think that's the thing I'm proudest of is just career risk. You know, there's in that book, I mentioned rich dad, poor dad. Um, the author, Robert Kiyosaki, says, you know, my rich dad said, never take a job for the money. Take a job for what you'll learn and the skills you'll acquire. And so I've really tried to take that to heart. And so I feel like as an all-encompassing accomplishment, that is a big one for me that, like, even the role I'm in now, like, I took a pay cut to take this role, you know, with the thought that in the long term, it's going to pay off for me financially, but also You know, in in rewriting one of the articles that we're working on, there was a quote from some book on entrepreneurship that they were saying, to be the business owner, the level of freedom and autonomy that you have to go out in a corporate environment, you'd have to make two and a half times that same income to have the same amount of satisfaction.
0: I would kind of say that I would, I would 100% agree with that because look, I left a pretty good job. You know, when I left, I was making about 85K. And I left and I was so much happier. And look, I could eat, I could make that, but a lot I reinvest a lot into my companies. And despite making less, I'm so much happier. And it's like I get to focus on the things I want to focus on. And you you grow so much when you focus on your core competencies. And it's that's interesting. The two and a half times stat. Okay. I, I like that. That's I've never heard that, but it makes so much sense.
1: Yeah. And so that was eye opening for me. Again, I was learning that as I'm kind of doing it and I've got a ton of autonomy and freedom and, you know, the guys I work with are great. And like we went to go see Dune in theaters as like a little work field trip the other day. And so that was super exciting to me um, just to have, you know, kinship and guys that, you know, I enjoy working with. We have similar values and all of those things, but um, having a taste of that autonomy, I feel like was so liberating for me. So, yeah, there you go.
0: Looking back, what was the hardest period of your life that you went through?
1: Ooh, man. Um, I think two, I think there are two. Um, being in the Coast Guard, you know, just kind of, you know, being 21 years old, getting put in the meat grinder that is boot camp was really a challenge for me. Like I was not um I'm six foot five, but like not athletic in any way, shape, or form. And so there's a lot of physical demand for you when it comes to like push-ups and sit-ups, and like you get issued this like World War One style rifle that you have to carry like this for a mile and a half. And just like demands that I had no concept for placed on my body and my mind at the same time. And so that was hard. That was, you know, a period of eight weeks. So, uh, but other than that, building a book of business as a financial advisor was one of the toughest things I ever did. And, you know, you're working like 70 hours a week to try to do that, to try to like find somebody to meet with you, to take you seriously um, and have, um, you know, have a conversation to see if you can kind of better their financial life. So that was super, super hard. And I've got, man, it's giving me a ton of respect for people that do it, um, for a living.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, building a book business is all about relationships and it takes time, Like Right. Knowing how to follow up, how many times should you follow up, how to take rejection, what is an actual rejection versus what is talk to me in three months, how to stay organized, right? All these things are so important. When building a book business.
1: For sure. Yeah, and it's, I mean, it's a an art and a science for sure that follow-up can be a delicate dance for sure. Now,
0: has there ever been a time where you've been insecure about not having a college degree?
1: Yeah, totally. Um, I think it, it kind of comes and goes. You know, I think sometimes the environment in which I'm in, um, you know, if I'm around the guys and they're talking about the college experience and like some party or some football game or something like that, It can feel a little awkward, but a lot of people, you know, are kind of quick to parlay that, to parlay my military service as my quote unquote college experience. And so for me, that's been a helpful kind of like life hack, if you will, to, you know, for myself to say, you know what, I didn't do that, but I did kind of serve my country in this capacity. I had these kind of formative experiences that were maybe similar uh, may or may not have had a party or two in my day. So, you know, I got, <laughs> yeah, different... like, that
0: sounds like the college experience.
1: Right. <laughs> right. 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 So, yeah. But I mean, you know, even still, I mean, they're, de- they're definitely, it's never like a light switch that's off all the time. Like there are times when I'm like, should I go back, you know, and I'm, I don't know, I'm kind of an advocate for kind of the, the no degree, you know, thing that we're talking about here and like, you know, continuing education, you know, certifications, um, Et cetera, et cetera. Other credentials, but anyway, yeah.
0: What a lot of people don't understand is like, just because you don't go to college doesn't mean you're not reading. Doesn't mean you're not getting certifications. Doesn't mean you're not take, getting trained. Doesn't mean you're not learning from mentors. Doesn't mean that you're not learning through experience. And you know, it's an interesting stat. I saw some somewhere, that they said, 33% of people who go to college after they graduate never read a book again. So, and that's like, I was like, wow. And it's like, because books have so much freaking knowledge, you know, just like you said, the rich dad, poor dad, the four hour work week, you understand some concept that you're just not going to learn in college because like what class would it make sense for you to learn in? right? There are a lot of skills, like you're not going to learn sales in college. You're not going to learn how to negotiate. And then sometimes even when you do, it's sort of abstract and that you kind of have to learn it from
1: a very specific environment. Yeah, you got to get beat up in the real world a little bit, you know. Especially if we're talking sales, you know, you got to just get prepared to be stomped a few times and get cussed out, and you know, grow some thick skin. And that only comes with practice. And you know, thankfully in my time in sales, you know, I've only been cussed out like maybe five times or less. Well, that's so, not too like, bad. Not... Yeah, right. Not too bad. Um, you know, maybe it's just being here in the south. I don't know. People are slightly nicer. Maybe I don't know. Uh, no offense to my northern friends. Not trying to say that, but.
0: No, I just know sometimes, yeah. Nor, northern, near, I'm from NYC, so people have different attitudes,
1: <laughs> and that's all good. But you know, I don't want to. I just don't want to like paint the picture that oh my gosh, sales is this meat grinder situation where you're going to get cussed out every single day, and that's not it at all. But you know, you learn and you grow and you build up some thick skin, and you that whole school of Fort Knox thing, right? Or hard knocks. Hard knocks is what it is, right?
0: Looking back at high school. How could the education system be improved for someone like you? Because you mentioned like you weren't good at school. You were in danger of not graduating. Like what could have been done for you to just maybe do a
1: little better, be more engaged? You know, it's funny. I took, um, I even took this consumer math class in school. And so like I went to this real small private Christian school. So the like elective, uh, you know, opportunities were pretty slim. Like we had drama, which was hilarious. Um, and a few others and not hilarious cause I don't like drama, but just cause, you know, not a lot to choose from in our situation. So I think more electives and giving people more opportunity obviously there's a core curriculum that, you know, you got to check the boxes for, um, you know, for whatever, but like, even I, I remember in middle school, we had like, you know, home ec. Um, I remember eating some good food in there, which is fun, but
0: yeah, I had a class where we cooked for like once a week and
1: uh, that was fun. That was, that fun. was great. Like yeah, I'm I'm like picking out in school. This is great, um, and then there's like some kind of shop class or something. I feel like I vaguely remember in middle school, but like things like that, where you can, you know, test the waters of what you actually want to do and just be exposed to a lot of different things. I think is the key. Um, I mean, doing that in a, you know, for seven hundred kids in high school is probably a pretty big challenge. I imagine. So my heart goes out to the educators that are involved in things like that. But you know, I think for me, like the whole financial literacy, I I don't mean to beat the drum all day long, but like, I I remember being in some consumer math class and they were talking about like balancing a checkbook. And I feel like there's never been something so irrelevant. You know, I I shouldn't say relevant, but like calculus is probably more irrelevant than that. You know, I think there, we've all seen the memes. It's like, you know, I don't know how to file my taxes, but good thing I learned like, you know, calculus one or whatever it is. And um, (laughs) so, yeah, I don't know. I think exposure, I think, you know, whether it's in school or outside of school, getting the opportunity to be exposed to things that you like. And, and you can learn a hell of a lot from things you don't like. You know, I'm six foot five, and at 16 years old, I was working with a tile installer. And I found out real quick that, like, being on my hands and knees all day long is probably not what I was put on this earth for. And, you know, nothing wrong with it. Like, great, great skill to have, you know, something to have on your tool belt. But you learn pretty quick what you don't like. So don't be afraid to... Find things you don't like.
0: No, I'm I that's that's important. And I, I thank you for sort of sharing your perspective.
1: Now, what are your future goals? Man, well, I think as far as this goes, um, I you know, I'll talk about my personal goals. I'll touch on that briefly. Like my wife and I have a little Airbnb, and so we've got some goals, which we love. Um, kind of stumbled into that, frankly. My wife's an interior designer, and so. We've been looking for ways to kind of work together, if you will, in the side hustle side of things. And I just love experimenting with everything, like whether it's making my own coffee or experimenting with other business opportunities on the side. I love that. And Airbnb has been a really fun one for us. So in this year, in 2022, we want to scoop up a few more opportunities there. Um, on our business side, I mean, I think launching the YouTube channel and trying to grow that um, continuing our march of every week. We're doing a show. We're hoping to you know, have the video up on YouTube, strip the audio for the podcasting platforms and just continue to grow that to increase revenue outside of just the clients that we have. We want to be able to continue to grow our revenue in a way that doesn't necessarily mean more man hours spent in the financial planning side of things. So just, I mean, really copying and pasting the passive income idea over to our business as well, I think is important. And so that could be course creation in the future or just really dialing in the content uh, for our audiences. So those are things on my radar.
0: Oh, that's cool. Now, what were the salary ranges that you've had for past
1: jobs and for jobs that you're sort of qualified for now? Yeah, good question. So um, let's see. So my high watermark was like just under 150 when I was in recruiting. So there's definitely money to be made. And you know, in Charlotte, North Carolina, that's a pretty good salary, obviously. I mean, that's still a good salary in NYC, and <laughs> it's expensive here, so, but yeah. That's good to hear, because I feel like, for me in Charlotte, I'm like, how much, you know, what is a good salary? You know, can you afford to buy pizza with that? Like, I don't know, um, cost of living and all that, but um, yeah, that's my high water Um, You know, I've taken a pretty substantial pay cut to do what I'm doing now, with the hope that I'll kind of get back there and more over time, and so... You know, I think depending on, like, if you want to be a financial advisor, you know, you start at ground zero making zero dollars, but there are people that can make hundreds of thousands of dollars doing that. You know, there are plenty of opportunities for people to cut their teeth in that environment. I mean, you can make, you know, 60K, um, you know, working as an internal wholesaler at some of these, you know, more product producing companies that are annuities or life insurance or things like that. So, um, again, recruiting is a great place to go, but you have to really... you. For most people, you can't really just go recruiting day one with no skills, you gotta have to learn the landscape of the whole industry before you can kind of get there. Um, so hopefully, I answered your question with that,
0: yeah. No, and so now the commission jobs like, what have you seen people actually hit? Because all commission job postings say, Oh, unlimited income and blah blah blah, but what's like a more realistic amount? And I know sometimes, like If you're more established, they're not as good. But early on in your career, they're a great way to get skills and a great way to establish your name.
1: Yeah. So I think some entry level, you know, I've hit like 50 grand before. Like I had a job that was as an internal wholesaler, you know, where you're basically sitting on a desk, you go through training to learn all the everything you could ever want to learn about an annuity and annuities in general and the company specific product line, you know, 40,000 base, you get full benefits matching 401k. And then I think you at the time, it was like around 50 grand, you know, for a full year is what I got, which, is you know, in some cases is, is really good. If you have a spouse that's not working, that can be another challenge. So it's a great way to get your foot in the door to get some financial licenses. In our industry, we have, you know, licenses if you want to, you know, sell. Specifically, if you're transacting business, you need to have these licenses. And, you know, companies will sponsor you for those. So it's a good way to kind of cut your teeth to get some experience to get paid again to learn, which I think is the name of the game um, as you're just getting started.
0: Yeah, and some some of these jobs, you started at 18, 19. And, you know, by the time you're 22, 23, you have some serious skill and then you can
1: move into other industries. Well, and I feel like I didn't answer your question fully. So let me go back. So, I mean, there are people that were working the same job and sometimes it's the luck of the draw that whoever you get matched up with, like there's an internal wholesaler and an external. The external guys are making like 250, 300. And so... It just depends, like you have to bust your tail. You're making a million cold calls a day to kind of like be the best internal guy to eventually get a promotion to the outside. And that's what I've been kind of working towards for years. And it just never panned out for me. But at the same time, again, everyone's journey is different. Everyone's goals are different. You know, I've got two young kids. And so a lot of those guys that are making 250, they're out on the road, you know, four nights a week away from their family. And so for me, I'm thinking through my own kind of journey. In you know, I wanted that. For sure in a big way, but now the way things have sh- you know shaken out. I'm glad that I'm sitting right here, it's you know, three o'clock and this is what I'm doing for my work day today. You know, it's a give and take for sure.
0: Always a give and take, and it's all about what your goals are and you know what you want to get out of life. Now let's sort of wrap up. Is there anything that you want to
1: share that you didn't share already? Story or anything that comes to your mind? I guess, you know, people say bet on yourself, and I, I'm a big believer of that. Like If you're in your early 20s, don't be afraid to take a risk. The last thing in the world you need to do is to just like, you know, latch yourself down to a desk at a at a job that you're not going to grow in. You know, if even if you're making good money, you know, continue to invest in yourself. Like for me, when I found out that personal finance was like my jam, I just read every book I could find. I watched all these YouTube channels on personal finance. Like for fun, that is my jam. And so I would encourage people to just find what lights you up. Find the thing that you nerd out on and don't be afraid of that. Like, don't be ashamed of whatever it is. I mean, I call myself a financial nerd all day long and I wear it like a badge of honor. And so I love, I mean, I, you know, joke about, don't get me started talking about this because like, I'm going to wear you out, but um, that's me. I love it. I freaking love it. So find the thing that you love. I mean, you can't monetize everything you love. Like You know, being a drummer full time, like that's a little bit more of an uphill battle for, but for for me, at least it was. But now the world's changed and like you can, I mean, I've I've started a little drum channel on the side and that's been a fun little hobby. Um, Yeah, I mean, it's real, it's real. uh, What do they say when you're like starting something? If it like looks good, you've waited too long to launch, right? Like that's where my drum channel is. So I'll keep that on the DL unless anyone really wants it. I can send you a link, but. Yeah, I mean, just start Start where you are, start learning, keep learning. The uh, the idea that 30% of college grads never crack a book again is one of the biggest tragedies I've ever heard in my life. It is, like, it is. Don't let that be you. Like, do an audiobook, get in books, get on YouTube channels, like, learn, continue to find what you're passionate about. That's, that's what I would tell anybody, I think.
0: Yeah, no, great advice. I want to thank you so much for sharing your experiences. This episode is really good for a lot of people just to kind of see that It's okay to change. Sometimes you start in one industry and you change. But the thing is, you still have a lot of experience in that industry and it helps you in just different ways that you couldn't have necessarily imagined.
1: Yes. Yeah. I mean, like starting out where I was, you know, I would have told Andy Hoffman, the the financial advisor failure, like, it's going to be okay. You know, you're going to be okay. And using all the experience I have now, like, I can kind of go toe to toe with anybody in, in my industry in terms of industry knowledge and experience. And so that should be, Continuing to help me in my career moving forward. So I forgot to ask you one question.
0: Please. What would you tell yourself at 18 years old? You're going, to, you're talking to 18 year old Andy. What are you telling him? Buy
1: Bitcoin. Bitcoin. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, that's sure, who- I'd say invest as much as you absolutely can. Yesterday, when I was in 21, I bought a, uh, or 20, yeah, 23 years old, I bought a house in New Orleans. And so I would have said, you know, hang on to that, you know, don't sell it, you know, buy, a quadruplex instead of a single family home, like do that yeah. house hacking and just try to create more streams of income as, as quickly as you can.
0: Okay, smart move. So thank you so much for your time. I know the audience got a lot of great info. We'll definitely keep in touch and looking forward to more of your content on LinkedIn.
1: Thank you so much. It was a pleasure. I appreciate you having me on. It was a blast. Thank you.
0: Another great episode. Thank you for listening. Hopefully this information was valuable and you learned a lot. Stay tuned for the next episode. This show is sponsored by you. No Degree wants to remain free from influence so that we can talk about the topics without bias. If you think the show is worth a dollar or two, please check out our Patreon page. Any amount is appreciated and will go towards making future episodes even better. Follow us on Instagram or Snapchat at No Degree Podcast. On Facebook at facebook.com slash no degree inc. If you want to personally reach out to me, connect or follow me on LinkedIn. At Janaid Iqbal, spelled J-O-N-A-E-D, last name I-Q-B-A-L. Until next time, no degree, no problem. no degree.com
2: Yeah, yeah talk to so him. you got no degree? No problem. No problem. Any problem, we can solve we them. We got this. LinkedIn insomnia. Keeps us evolving, growing in and knowing. Wisdom is flowing. If you didn't know, now you know where I'm going. If you didn't know, now you know. Sing that again, everybody. No degree, no problem. Any problem, we can solve them. LinkedIn somnia keeps us evolving. We're growing in the knowing. The wisdom is flowing. If you didn't know, now you know where I'm going. No degree, no problem. Any problem, we can solve them. LinkedIn somnia keeps us evolving. We're growing in the knowing. The wisdom is flowing. If you didn't know, now you know where I'm going. Yeah.